Welcome to Dogs on Demand, where we talk about Mississippi State sports, the outdoors, and college life in Starville. Um, I am one of your co-hosts, Wilson Benton. Unfortunately, the other half of the Dogs on Demand crew, Caleb Ward, cannot be with us today because this week is finals, and with finals come a lot of scheduling conflicts, so... We unfortunately weren't able to meet up and record this week. However, we knew that the dogs wanted some content for this week, so we're giving you some content. So I am joined today by my roommate, Mason Cox. Mason, how you doing? Doing pretty good. Uh, happy to be back on the show. Yeah, I know. It's what uh, was on the first episode, but uh, tough times call for doing anything you can to keep the the content rolling out oh yeah well you know final weeks you just can't ever tell what's going to happen it's crazy during finals but yeah so let's talk about the weekend that we had this past weekend i mean you went to all three games it was it was disappointing um (laughs) the I expected a different result out of the team this weekend, and there were a lot of games that we probably should have won or could have won. Um, but in the end, we just didn't. We just fell through. It didn't work out, uh, and we dropped some games that we maybe shouldn't have. Um, yeah. So I saw on the baseball Instagram someone's comment really kind of put the whole series like in one quote, and it was, "We needed." to sweep all three games and instead we lose all three games and that's a wrap for the season is basically what they said ultimately yeah uh i know we've talked about in the past how like this especially after dropping the missouri series this was going to be that defining moment you know and this is going to be like this is it you got to beat you got to take the series here you got to take the series at a&m and you got to hope to steal one from right tennessee yeah and i think what was most disappointing for me was the fact of how little fight that that team had especially after losing two of three to your comparable other worst team in the southeastern conference you would think that with their backs against the wall, they would sh- have shown some kind of fight. But I guess, I guess this has kind of been the mo of this team the whole year. You know, when the going gets tough, they just they don't have anybody that can step up, can take them to that level where they need to step up. Exactly. Yeah, um, and you know, looking at the weekend, it wasn't necessarily a. It wasn't a great performance by our team. Yeah. But there were there were moments when our bullpen was doing exactly what they were supposed to do. Yeah. But our bats weren't hot. And then there are moments when our bats were hot and our bullpen couldn't step up right. and do what they needed to do. Well, let's just look at the, the Friday night game here. So we ended up losing eight to six. Um Brandon was on the mound. It was definitely not his best start. Um, he went four and two-thirds, gave up six hits, seven earned runs, five walks, and three strikeouts. So 
what really got us in that hole was those first two innings. I mean, when you when you're playing an SEC series and you're you down six zero the first two innings, I mean, that's almost you're not going to win hardly any of the times when you're down six zero the first two innings. For sure. Um, and I've noticed this a lot about some of our pitchers is they'll have a slow start, and usually we'll see them settle in after giving up maybe a run or two, and yeah. then they'll settle in for about five, six more innings and won't give up anything and, you know, start striking out the side. But this was not one of those moments, and you have to hope that the coach is going to recognize that and – He's going to be able to be like, all right, he's off today. I got to get him out. I got to put somebody else in. And, and no, continue what you're going to say. It just it didn't seem like they had had that our coaching staff realized that in time, or like, you know, after that second inning comes in and he gives up a run, you know, you got to be like, all right, I need to get somebody in the pen right now because he's not on it. Yeah, and I think a combination with that was the fact that we have such limited arms in the bullpen. It's like, do we really want to trot one of our bullpen guys out there in the second inning of the Friday night game? I mean, you have a lot of fear with that, knowing you only got three or four liable bullpen pitchers, how I would be concerned about running out of pitching. So in a kind of way, you are forced to ride Brandon through the storm because there's not a whole lot – like. I don't see us, if we pull him after the second inning, who else is going to pitch the rest of that game and us still have pitching for that Sunday game? No, I, I definitely get what you're saying, but I still feel like you need to – you pull him after an inning and you're able to bring him in as like mid, maybe mid-inning relief on yeah. Sunday, give him a couple extra days to rest, get his head right. But it's really hard – being in the position we're in facing the injuries we've had and uh, just the lack of um, the lack of relief, you know, so it's hard not to just, just to be like, all right, I have to keep him in there and I have to basically, he's either going to settle down or I'm going to throw this game. All right. And <laughs> that's kind of what happened Friday night. Um, they, they waited a little longer than they wanted to, but maybe they, like you said, maybe there wasn't much a choice in that. And unfortunately, it just didn't work out for us. We tried to come back, but, you know, it was too little too late. Yeah. Um, And then looking at the Saturday and Sunday games, I mean, there's not really a whole lot good you can say about it. I mean, we got beat 9-3 to on Saturday. And, you know, Sunday, while we played good through a majority of the game, I mean, we know as State fans, if we don't have a – big lead putting our bullpen in it's going to be a definitely a hold your breath and kind of hope nothing bad happens and what ended up happened was exactly what's kind of been the mo all season is giving up four runs in the ninth but i guess one thing you could say about that sunday game is it was it was over quick and you didn't have to kind of sit there and suffer through it for very too long (laughs) yes uh i was I think I was telling you earlier or some of my friends that that was one of the quickest ball games I've ever been to. Yeah. Um, it says here it was two hours, 25 minutes. Yeah. About started at one. It was over at like three thirty, And, uh, I will say the pitching that day was great on both sides up until that ninth inning for us. Uh, yeah. I, you know, I would have, it was just one of those things. Cause like 
for the most part, our uh, our bullpen was doing his job, and then Pico came in and he uh, held him at bay for an inning or two, and then he gave up some runs that he just usually doesn't give up. Yeah, and so it's it's an interesting thing with this team because it's there's no there's not a lot of consistency because anybody can have a just breakout weekend and then the next day they fall off like they yeah just hit a slump and well that's one thing that I was I think I told you this yesterday but it always seemed like whenever our pitching was on our bats would go dead and whenever we were hitting really good we couldn't pitch to save our lives and it was just kind of that like we always had something wrong and we could never really put a complete series together and I think that's what's most frustrating about this year is because when our pitching is on, we're like, well, we're good. And when our hitting's on, we're like, well, this team can hit. But yeah. they never seem to be able to put it together consistently. And that's what's so frustrating as a fan, in my opinion. No, definitely. it's It gets agitating to go and to watch watch a team that you love, you know, like yeah. go out there and not perform to the – ability that they should perform at or that right. we expect them to mm-hmm. well i guess that's enough about uh the rough weekend that we had but i just wanted to take some time and we kind of haven't really touched on this on this podcast yet but the nfl draft was a week or so ago and i just wanted to give a big shout out to mr charles cross going ninth overall yes sir uh that was a he did a great job at state you know he had a what was it like a 80 percent protection rating or something Oh, it was more than that i it mean was, it he was took, ridiculous yeah and they had him rated as the highest rated pass blocker in the draft um and i mean we're definitely in my opinion we're going to see a difference this next year um with our pass protection just because first round top 10 picks don't come around just you know every year I mean that's that's a once in a generation type of talent that's a uh Jeffrey Simmons Fletcher Cox yeah Montez Sweat you know and I really don't know if we've had I can't remember the last tackle on the offensive side that we've had that has been as good as Charles was um yeah, no, it's been a little while. Uh, we did have – I can't remember his name. I'm going to come back to it. Well, um, one thing I will say is I'm glad that he went to Seattle because they get on a lot of, you know, Sunday night, primetime, Monday night games. And, you know, it's it would be different if he was at somewhere like the, the Jets or somewhere like that where we wouldn't be able to see him very often. But I think with him being in Seattle and that being such a big market, we're going to be able to actually watch him and see him on a pretty consistent basis. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, it's going to be interesting too because uh, he's going to be going up against a lot of the guys that uh, we usually cheer for. You know, like right. some of the teams that we cheer for in in terms of uh, you know like big Saints fans. Right. Shout out. <laughs> yeah. But it's definitely going to he's going to be one of those guys, and the next thing you know, he's going to be going up against the Fletcher Cox, the Montez yeah. Sweat, the guys that came from that university and then he's going to be playing alongside guys that he used to play against like yeah um was he there when um uh shoot 
DK Metcalf was playing? Um, I think he was a little bit before okay. DK. I was going to say, well, you've got instances like that where, you know, you're going from playing against some guys to, you yeah. know, now you're on the same team as those mm-hmm. types of guys. And so I can't wait to see what he does. I think he's going to be yeah. a great fit for the Seahawks. Um, speaking of Ole Miss, what is your opinion on uh, Matt Corral's getting drafted? Well, all I'll say about that is I know a lot of people were thinking he was going to be top 10, top 15 pick in the whole draft. Yeah. And uh, it's just it was kind of funny to see, as state fans, to see him fall as far as he did. It kind of just made you chuckle that, you know, this – "Quote unquote savior, you know, <laughs> Ole Miss is like the face of the franchise for Ole Miss is kind of like not meeting expectations. So even though you kind of hate it for him, I mean, it's still kind of like, you know, the the guy that was supposed to be your hero for Ole Miss is kind of falling out of the draft. But what I will say is, um, going into the third, speaking of third round quarterbacks from Mississippi, um. Going in the third round definitely doesn't mean that, you know, you're any less of a player, that you can't make something out of your career, um, especially with uh, the other third-round quarterback at Mississippi being Dak Prescott. Yeah. And, I mean, we know what he what he's done. Yeah. And I'm going to throw out uh, – I'm going to throw out praise to um, Matt Corral. You know, he was, he was a great quarterback at his time in Ole Miss – and he did exactly what he was supposed to do. He came, he played, and, you know, every year he led Ole Miss to a good season and beating us, um, yeah. unfortunately. But, you know, you've got guys like Dak Prescott. You've got guys like uh, Tom Brady who just weren't high draft picks, and the next yeah. thing you know they had breakout seasons. Yeah. Um, and so the sky is the limit for him, and definitely going to the Carolina Panthers. They're one of the few teams that are in need of a QB. Yeah. Um, but – to be fair, this year there just weren't as many uh, teams that were down and out in terms of in the quarterback position. Yeah, and I will say um, it's been painful enough watching him beat Mississippi State these past two years. But at the same time, if next year he comes into New Orleans and beats the Saints as well, he's definitely – he will be a thorn in, in my side if he – um, continues to do what he does at Ole Miss for a long time. And he's a he's a successful player. He knows yeah. what he's doing, and he's got talent, and he knows how to use that to right. his advantage. It's, um, it'll be interesting to see where his career goes. Mm-hmm. Um, I also want to shout out Martin Emerson, um, quarter, the cornerback from Mississippi yes, State, going in the second round. Um, wait, I don't think second round. Uh, third round, my bad. Um, he went to the Browns, right? Yeah, he went to the Browns. Um, just – Excited to see what he can do out there and um, wishing him good luck. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, for these guys, this is this is it. You made it, and now it's up to you to stay there, you know, and perform and get to where you get that contract you want. <laughs> yeah. So with the draft, there's one thing that I was really – not necessarily with the draft, but with a particular player from Mississippi State um, – and his decisions. Do you know who I'm talking about? I think so, but I want to. I want to hear it before I. I just know that Makai Polk is kicking himself right now. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, I don't know. 
where how he got in his head that he was gonna go um in the draft or go high in the draft, but it just it not only hurts his future and his career because he no longer has a scholarship and he's he's not I think he signed with but we know how that goes when you sign a free agent deal. I mean you're on a practice squad bouncing from practice yeah. squad to practice squad and that's a pretty tough life. But uh I really think that Mississippi State's going to miss him this next year, but he's also really going to miss Mississippi State. Well, yeah, Makai Polk, he's a great player. He was a great player for State, but he hadn't demonstrated those qualities that the that you're looking for in an NFL receiver just yet. Not to say he doesn't have them. He just he hadn't yeah. had the time to develop that skill set and to be able to show that to those scouts. And so, yeah, he got picked up, but like you said, at what cost? Yeah. Um because he could have potentially came back to state and came back and been drafted in the fourth, third round, maybe even yeah. second if he had a breakout year, you know. And he would have jumped those hurdles of being on a practice squad and having to compete to get on the team. Right. Um, and he's just got a long road ahead of him with that. Uh, and I think we're going to see that more and more because, you know, especially just with the opening of transfer portals and uh, pay-to-play and everything. There are going to be players who will leave sooner than they should, and there will be players that stay maybe a little bit longer than they should. Yeah. Um, But just the whole dynamic of the draft is changing, and it will just be interesting to see where it goes moving forward. Yeah, it definitely will be. Um, With that being said, the Diamond Dogs – will be traveling to College Station this weekend to take on the A&M Aggies. Um, I, I wouldn't hold your breath if I'm a state fan for a series win, just considering how things have been going. Um, I have their schedule pulled up here, and uh, let's just see here. Well, A&M is currently 14-10, and 10, Yeah, and they are third in the West. Right tied for I believe either it's either going to be fourth or fifth in the SEC overall right um but they're playing really good ball right now they're 30 and 16 um, right yeah and at home they've only lost nine games they're about mm-hmm. they're 19 and nine well just looking at their their past couple of SEC series is they've beaten Kentucky they've beaten Georgia they've beaten Arkansas they beat Vanderbilt and they beat South Carolina. That's all, and they're like in a row. Those past five series that they've played in. Yeah, and Texas A and M is like they're coming together as a team and they're playing really good ball. And you know they're getting ready for the tournament and the re- regionals and supers. And they're yeah they're coming together and they've got that end goal in mind. Um, I can't say how far they're going to go. There's a lot of good teams out there, but they're yeah. definitely going to be a, one of those teams that are in the running in the next month or so. Mm-hmm. So do you do you have any sort of predictions for this weekend? Do you think that State could squeak out the series, or what are your thoughts on it? Um, <laughs> uh Personally, like you said, I don't think I'm going to hold my breath for anything. Um, yeah. A&M is just hands down playing better baseball than us. Um, I do think we will pull out one game. Yeah. Uh, but I think A&M is going to take the series two to one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that one game is going to come down to a 
clutch pitching performance and then a from who? Uh let's I think this weekend it is gonna be I think we're gonna see a performance out of Brandon Smith. Okay. Um he hadn't been quite on it lately and I think he's gonna catch up a little bit. Um his ERA is getting a little higher than it should be and his uh his win loss he's three and four on the season. Yeah. Um so I'm expecting him to bounce back this series and go about six, seven innings and then have a reliever come in. But it's really gonna be up to the bats, I think, for us to get that that one out of three. Yeah. Um I agree. Uh what I have noticed about this team is when there's not pressure on this team, they usually do well. It's yep. whenever they get in those like must win pressure moments, need a base hit moments is when they usually don't deliver. So I could very well see Mississippi State beating A&M this series. And I'm actually, I'm going to say that we win two out of three at A&M just for the simple fact that we always perform when there's not pressure on us. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. I think we'll, I think Preston, I think we'll do good on Saturday and then Friday or Sunday take your pick. All right, so... So we go. Let's talk about that for a second. We okay. go. We get two wins out of that series. Yeah, we're eleven and sixteen. Mm-hmm. Okay, going into the Tennessee series. Yeah, we're three wins away from making it, potentially making it into the uh, regionals. Yes. So maybe even I don't know if we beat A and M. I don't think. If we take the A and M and then get one, maybe two out of Tennessee, we would probably make it into the SEC tournament. Well, just looking at it, I mean, twelve wins is not going to get you into the tournament. No, thirteen maybe, and that's with doing really well in the SEC tournament. Yeah. Um. So, just looking at it, I I don't see us. I don't see us making the postseason. Um, I know it's it sounds hopeful to think, oh, we only have three wins, and you know, yeah. But you got to consider who's coming into town. Oh, definitely. But you know, people always say that that's that uh, that fourteen win marks usually that uh, border on like we're going to make the tournament or we aren't. Yeah. Um, I think it's what six. Is it seventy three percent chance or sixty three percent chance? Four, if if you get fourteen wins, you have like a, about a seventy percent chance of getting in. Mm-hmm. After that, it drops off to about thirty percent. Yeah. Um, now, what is the what is the wins you have to have to make the SEC tournament? Um, all you have to do is um, be one of the top twelve teams in the SEC. Top 12. so like the bottom two teams get left out. And right now we are one of the bottom two. Yes. Yes. Ooh. But if we do take that A and M series, like you're suggesting, yeah, we would more than likely make the SEC tournament because you've got Missouri at seven and seventeen. I don't think they're making it. No, they're <laughs> Even then, though they got two of those wins against us. Yes. Yes, that was a shame. Um. And then you've got Kentucky at 9 and 15. I'm not sure what the rest of their schedule looks like, but it's really going to come down to that. And you, and then Ole Miss and Alabama are only one win ahead. And yeah. So depending on how their last two series goes, they could fall. 
Yeah, I could. So it's really, it's a little early to say, but like, you know, anything could still happen. It can, but being a Mississippi State fan for your whole life, you kind of expect the worst um, a lot of times or expect them not to. I mean, that's just how it typically goes. You're like, oh, it's Mississippi State. But uh, no, I mean, you're right. It could definitely, there's still something to play for, for sure. Now, how do you think, um, now you're obviously not a player or anything like that, but looking at that possibility, what do you think the coach's messages, what would you say to the players this week as they're getting ready for this A&M series? Well, what I'd say is, I mean, you're already kind of down and out. So just go out there and play baseball. And, I mean, you really, you're not trying, you're not, you got nothing to lose, really. I mean, you just go in there and have fun and play baseball, which I think they haven't really done all year. Yeah. That team doesn't look like they've had fun all year. Yeah. So just go to College Station and just have some fun is what I tell them. See what can happen, yeah. Yeah. Um. So speaking of SEC tournament, the softball girls will play May 11th against LSU. Um which is kind of funny considering that they just finished playing LSU at home. They ended up losing that series. Yeah. Um they ended up winning one game but still losing the series, but I would say the softball team they they were really getting our hopes up um around that Missouri series, you know, they started to really turn some head, but boy, they have really skidded down the stretch, unfortunately. Um, they've lost, let's see, they lost the Alabama series, the Auburn series, the Kentucky series, and the LSU series. So the last four series down the stretch has been pretty disappointing for the Lady Dogs. Yeah, no, um, and it's almost it's almost kind of like the baseball team because there have been a lot of close games yeah. and then one or two bad things happen and then they kind of just look like blowouts on the stat mm-hmm. sheet, but like – there have been some very close games, like that Alabama series, for instance. I think every one of those games, they had a very good chance of winning that ball yeah. game, and they just couldn't close it out. I know. Um, but LSU is a good team. Uh, they're ranked number 19 in the nation, and you know they've been playing some good softball over there. Those girls have been uh, duking it out, and it'll be a yeah. it'll be a good little grudge match for the. Um, the softball team, our softball team, they'll be able to, you know, take the mistakes they made in that game and try to improve on them and try to get a win in that first game of the tournament. Yeah, and they they really need a win for their tournament chances. Um, We thought that they were a for-sure team going into that Missouri series or after that Missouri series, they were going to get into the tournament. But with them losing those last four series, they really need to win one or two games in the SEC tournament to kind of – boost their chances to get in yeah 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 they got some work to do but you know they're they're not not out of it they're not out of it at all they just have to put their nose to the grindstone and get after it yeah for sure um with that being said do you have any uh any final thoughts whether that's on softball or baseball or uh finals this week or Anything like anything else? Um, 
I do want to talk a little bit about just looking ahead is like what we can expect as um, Mississippi State fans in terms of the future for uh, baseball, maybe soft, mm-hmm. a little bit of softball. Um, just looking forward, um, this season isn't over, but you know, there it's definitely not where we want to be. But we've got some good things coming, and we've got yeah. some stuff to look forward to. And then we've got some work that we still have to do. Um, so. If you're Lamonis, I mean, obviously, Lotan's going to be gone. Mm-hmm. Um, Hancock's going to be gone. Mm-hmm. Cameron James potentially is going to yep. be gone. Um, you need a center fielder. RJ Yeager's a grad transfer. He'll be gone. Yep. So you're looking at replacing six or seven starters next year. Are you, I guess, what I'm asking is, are you expecting the coaches to hit the portal super hard or are you hoping for some of the freshmen to kind of step up or how do you think that Lamona should go about this uh this next year and the big turnover that they're going to have well I really hope that they hit the transfer portal really hard um mm-hmm. now like you said we've got seven about seven eight positions to fill not including some pitchers that are well that's what I was going to say is we really need I would say eight to ten yeah. new pitchers, new yeah. arms. And so, you know, going forward, you've got all these positions that we need to fill, but our best player this year, R.J. Yeager's, you know, like you said, transfer. Yeah. And so if you can see the success there, you got to hope as a coaching staff that they're going to go out and be like, all right, we need more mm-hmm. guys like this on our team. Because we, as much as I hate to say it, the returning players didn't play like they – they didn't play to they their didn't full live potential. up to their expectations or their potential yes and so you definitely want to go pick up some freshmen and some sophomores and like you want to build those guys so that in the next two or three years that you'll have a solid team but right yeah. now we need more guys with experience with some weight under their belt and so uh I got to hope that they go get about five starters from the transfer yeah one or two freshmen mm-hmm and then about three more pitchers yeah. that are transfers and then probably four starters or mm-hmm. four freshman starters. Yeah, I uh I definitely agree with that. It's just going to be it's going to be interesting because I'm not a huge fan of the type of prospects that Lamonis recruits. Yeah. Um I think he more looks at physical attributes more than can you play baseball? He's going for slugging percentage, not quite. <laughs> well, even with the pitching, he's going with guys who can throw 95 miles an hour versus can you pitch yeah. a lot of the times. Yeah. But, you know, he he has won a national championship, even if it wasn't necessarily with the players that he recruited. He still knows what he's doing when it, when it comes down to it. So all you can kind of do is give him some time and kind of, you know, let him work this big turnover and just kind of see where it – it, how it turns out next year, and then I'd say reevaluate it after next year. Yeah. Well, it's definitely a rebuilding year, and, you know, he has the ability – he can basically start from scratch. Yeah. Because it, we're that's how be, it will be, besides, you know, your Hunter Hines and Kellen Clark. I mean, other than that, you're kind of starting from scratch. Yeah. Maybe Brad goes, it just depends. But other than that, I mean, you're kind of starting from scratch anyway, so – yeah, so there's going to be a lot of, 
I think there's going to be a lot of impatience as fans to yeah. watch that rebuilding happen because, you know, we just won a national championship mm-hmm. this time last year. And to see us go from that to more than likely not making the tournament this year, yeah. it's a dramatic change. or a dramatic change. Yeah. Uh, and so there's going to have to be patience with the coach and just let him do his thing. And like you said, make him – let him – you know, figure it out and do his coaching and then bring in those new guys. And that way in the next three, four years, we're hopefully back in Omaha again. Yeah, for sure. Um, that's just, you know, it's going to take time. And um, as big of a a process as that may be, you know, with bringing in some experienced player, it may not be as uh, slow of a process as we may think as like, you know, your typical, you know, if you're football, you have a senior-laden team, well, it's going to take you two or three years to build back to it. Whereas, you know, with the new transfer portal rules, you can kind of build year to year or more yeah. so than you could. Yeah, and we're going to see that a lot. You know, they're going to be um, they're going to be teams that just completely build off of transfer portals. Yeah. Uh, we can see that already. You know, um, Ole Miss is doing that in their in football. football program. Um, Lane Kiffin, he, he pretty much exclusively goes after transfers. He got like five or six high school players and then the rest yeah. were in all portal players. Yeah. And so on a year-to-year basis, you know, if you continue to do that, it's not an issue. You don't have to yeah. worry about having freshmen. Right. And so right now that's what we need in terms of baseball. We need mm-hmm. 15 transfers and then like three or four freshmen. Yeah, for sure. All right, well, um, I think we've rambled long enough, so we're going to get out of here. Um, I hope that all of y'all are doing well in y'all's finals and y'all will kind of enjoy your time off and enjoy this summer. And with that being said, this has been Dogs Dogs on on Demand. Demand.